highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Andrew brought Simon, or Peter, to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Cephas is the Aramaic term, Aramaic name. He renamed him. I'm sure as the Lord was looking at this new disciple that would soon follow him, Jesus is looking at him and he goes, Oh, Peter, Simon, you're very unstable. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Andrew met Jesus and then wanted his brother Simon Peter to meet Jesus. Each time Andrew is mentioned in the Gospel of John, he is always bringing someone to Jesus. Andrew knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the long-expected Savior of Israel and the world. So when Jesus first met Peter, he changed his name. In giving Simon a new name, calling him Cephas, or Peter, meaning a stone, Jesus told Andrew's brother what kind of man he would be transformed into. Before Jesus was done with Peter, he would be a stone of stability for Jesus Christ. This is an excellent picture of what he can do for you also. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. In our culture today in the church, not necessarily this church, I'm talking about the church in totality. That's a very good question. What are you seeking? And for different churches, you might get different answers. Hopefully they all say Jesus. But do you worship a Jesus that allows you to live and be intimate with your girlfriend or boyfriend outside of marriage? Jesus would not condone it. It's a sin, right? It needs to be turned from, just like any other sin. Is that the kind of Jesus that you worship that says it's okay? And there are people who say that. Well, we love each other. Yeah, you love each other, but you're living in rebellion. And there's a lot of things wrong with that, and we don't have time to go into that. But is that the Jesus that you serve that says it's okay to take um, uh, medicated drugs that are, I'm I'm talking about the really illicit stuff, like marijuana and stuff like that. Aren't there other things that you can use? Why is it that when this thing was, you know, um, made available and even made legal in some states, instead of using other drugs, that can certainly kill the pain for maybe a cancer person who's terminal and they're really going through a lot of pain there's other things that they can take but why is it that everybody flocks to marijuana because it's the forbidden thing that we couldn't have in the 60s couldn't have it in the 70s couldn't have in the 80s or the 90s even in the beginning of the year 2000 oh but now we can i'm going for it i'm gonna stock up on weed is that the jesus you serve oh it's okay it just alters your mind thc starts playing with your head Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, right? There's nothing wrong with pain medication when you're terminal or when you come out of surgery. You know, you need something. There's nothing wrong with these things. But what Jesus are you serving? 
Are you seeking Jesus only to fix your marriage? What are you seeking? Someone to deliver you from an addiction? Someone to get you out of the financial mess that you're in? Someone to heal your guilty conscience? You know, I've known people who have sought Jesus for different things, and then once the Lord gives them what they want, they're gone. Remember a woman who uh, used to fellowship with us, she wanted a, a husband so bad, the Lord gave her a husband and then she took off. He was like a, a talisman, like a, like a rabbit's foot. Give me what I want, Lord, and I'll serve you. And then the Lord, in his mercy and grace, he grants her her request. But what happens? Leanness comes to her soul because there was an idol in her heart. It wasn't Jesus. It was something else. But is he that way? Do, do we just seek him for what he can give to us? I want this, Lord. I want this. And then the, four, the Lord finally gives it to you, and you're like, see you later. Happens all the time. Are you seeking someone who can save your soul and bring you into everlasting life for eternity, forgiving you for all your sin, changing your life forever for his glory, becoming a disciple forever, and being an ambassador and faithful witness for Jesus? That's what I want to be. What are you seeking? Understand that Jesus just just didn't come to save your soul. He came to redeem the entire package. Entirety, everything, your body, soul, and spirit. Body and soul and spirit. You hear that? He came to redeem your body too, not just your soul. He's he's concerned about your eternal well-being as as he is. But he's concerned about you here and now, your body. Are Are you sanctified? Are you seeking Jesus for that? In Thessalonians, it says, how, how, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you and completely, you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like the phrasing of that. I like the order of it that Paul puts there. You don't hear that order. Notice, spirit, soul, and body. What do we say today? What, what have we been conditioned to say? Body, soul, and spirit. Oh, the body is the most important thing. If it feels good, do it. Right? Body, soul, and spirit. But Paul says, no, you got it all wrong. It's just the opposite. Spirit, soul, and bodies last. But in America, we put the flesh above the spirit. In most countries of the world, they do this too. It's not just us. So it's important. He came to redeem the whole entire package. And notice in verse 39, he said to them, Jesus said to these disciples, come and see. Notice the invitation. The invitation there in a relationship with Jesus is an invitation to everyone. You know, Christianity is not just some kind of secret initiation. It's not some kind of secret religion, some mystical thing like Freemasonry or even Mormonism. <laughs> in Freemasonry, there used to be a Freemason temple right there in the center of Penfield at Penfield Four Corners. Somebody bought it. Thank God they, they put an art shop there. I was so happy to see that. But inside, it's, everything is secret. Anybody who belongs here, everything is secret. There's secret handshakes, secret rituals. Shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Shh, shut up. Don't tell them about that special thing that we found out. And then they, they have these degrees. I'm a, what are you? 53rd degree Mason. Oh, yeah. What are you? Oh, newly initiated? <laughs> In about 20 years, you'll be where I am, maybe. Right? There's this hierarchy, all these secret things. And even in Mormonism. 
But Christianity is not like that at all. There's nothing secret. Everything is out in the open. The crucifixion, the resurrection was very, very public. Very public, folks. Very public. But notice the invitation Jesus gives to them. Come and see. Doesn't it say in Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good? Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11? He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you are heavy laden and sore and hurt? Are you coming to Christ for solace, for your strength, for your everything? Are you seeking something else? Are you seeking television? Are you seeking medication? Are you seeking a best friend? Are you seeking a, a spouse? What are you seeking? But Jesus says, come and see. The invitation is always there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And this is one of the most wonderful things I love about Jesus. He welcomes everyone to come as they are, but leave changed. Right? We sing a song, come as you are. Yes, come as you are, no matter what you... I mean, you could be, a, you could be a, a serial killer. You could be a rotten fornicator. You could be a homosexual. You could be a drug abuser. You could be a liar and a thief. But you know what? You've got, you're welcome here. You are. If you're coming with a heart that wants to change and you want to hear the truth, you're welcome. If you come in getting and in, 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 in creating problems, then you're not welcome. But if you actually are coming because you want to know the truth, it doesn't matter. This is a hospital. You're welcome. Come. The invitation is there. Come and see. Would to God that we reached out to our community and our family and friends and our neighbors and say, hey, come and see. Join us on Sunday morning. Take them. Bring them. Come and see. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. We believe that the other unnamed disciple, because we know that there's two, we believe the other one is John himself, John, John, the author of the gospel here. But notice, he first found his own brother. Andrew finds his, first, finds his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And that is the very natural thing to do. I remember when I got saved, the first thing I talked to, first one I talked to was my mom. I called her up on the phone. I was at Stetson University. I was living off, off campus in this house. And I remember I got radically saved. And the first thing I did is called my mother and told her with tears in my voice, in my eyes, telling her how thankful I was and what God had done. And I honestly wonder, I mean, I know she loves me. But I think at that time, I can't help but wonder if she's wondering, you know, what happened to my son? Things didn't change. It wasn't some phase that I was going through. It was the real deal. The Lord had cast the hook, and I swallowed the worm with the hook. He got me. He got me forever. But notice that Andrew brings, it's a very natural thing to tell people that are close to you. Have you told your family? Told your friends, your closest family, have you talked to them about the Lord? Have you invited them to church? Invite them. Have them tune in. You know, I mean, right now, the whole world could be watching. You can send them a link. You can send them to our website. 
They can check it out. Maybe they'll come. Maybe they're in a different state. They can still tune in. Send them a link. Come and see. Come and see. If what I'm sharing with you is not true, then don't, don't say come and see. Say go away. <laughs> but if it's true, if it's from the word of God, then come and see. Come and see. Notice the Messiah. This is the first time in the New Testament that this word occurs. The word Christ, Christos in the Greek, and Messiah, Messiah literally in the Hebrew, or the anointed one, they all mean the same thing. Whenever you see the anointed one, chances are it's speaking of Christos in the Greek, or if it's in Hebrew, it's the Messiah. It's the very same word that Daniel spoke of in Daniel 9.26. And after 62 weeks, remember we talked about uh, uh, the triumphal entry of Christ? Remember that D- Daniel 70th week? What did Daniel say? After the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. There it is again. God in the flesh. That's who the Messiah is. He's not just a holy man. No, he's God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And notice in verse 42, and he brought him, Andrew brought Simon or Peter to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Cephas is the Aramaic term, Aramaic name. He renamed him. I'm sure as the Lord was looking at this new disciple that would soon follow him, Jesus is looking at him and he goes, Oh, Peter, Simon, you're very unstable. You're unstable as water. But you're going to be a stone. You're going to be a Petros. You're going to be a stone. That's literally what Jesus said. You're going to be a stone. You're going to be a rock. The transforming work by my spirit, Peter, in your life is going to transform everything about you, and you're going to be a rock. You're going to be a rock. The following day, in verse 43, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Notice, this is the only one out of all these four men, Jesus says to Philip first, follow me. And within this word, follow me, literally means, the, 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 he, the, the Greek word there, literally means to follow as a disciple. That's literally what the word means. So when Jesus is saying, follow me, he's not just saying, follow me for the day and then go about your business. No, follow me. I will disciple you. And he called Philip, the very first one. It reminds me of Ruth. Remember, Ruth the Moabitess, the Gentile, She comes back to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi tries to deter her from following her. She says, you know, go back home with your sister. You know, go back to your gods, your old lifestyle. And what did Ruth say? She said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will follow. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God and my God. And I love that because here's a young woman, a Gentile, who's willing. She's saying, disciple me, Naomi. I've had enough of the old ways. I know what's back in my culture. It's nothing but falsehood. It's nothing but idolatry. But I know and I believe in the one true God. I believe in this Jehovah that you speak of, this God of Israel, the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham. I believe in him. And it's kind of funny because Naomi wasn't the best witness, was she? (laughs) On her way back to Israel, she was a sour grape. I wonder at all that, that Ruth saw anything redeeming in her. I mean, if, if, most people would say, 
goodness gracious, she's quite the load. I'm out of here. What's your name? Mara. Mom, Eeyore. You know, that's who Naomi was, just a stick in the mud. There was no witness in her at all, and yet, out of God's grace, somehow Ruth looks at her, looks at her life, looks at her culture, and it's like, there's something about this. And it's funny, she would be the ancestor of King David, the great-grandmother. And then Boaz would be his great-grandfather. Love that. But what is a disciple? What is a disciple? The very first time we see this word disciples in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus, seeing the multitudes there on the Mount of Beatitudes, he went up on a mountain and where he was seated, and his disciples came into him. A disciple is really nothing more than a learner, somebody who is a pupil, a disciple. A disciple is one who invests much time with the Master. A disciple listens intently at what the Master says. A disciple is willing to assist the Master in any way because they share a common goal and common purpose. A disciple is willing to do any task as it benefits the purpose or vision. And of course, a disciple is obedient to the Master. Eager to learn the ins and outs of the trade, gains practical theoretical knowledge from the Master and one in training who will ultimately take the place of the master or carry on his trade or purpose. You know, recently I had a, a gentleman who did a lot of work for the church, and he came to my house, and he's doing some work uh, there as well. And I asked him, I said, do you have any help? And he goes, no, I can't get any help. He goes, nobody wants to do this stuff anymore. And this guy's a really gifted man, and he, he's really good at what he does. And, he's, and, I, and I was talking to him, and, and he was like, I wish I had somebody to... to to disciple, you know, someone who would draw alongside, and I could show them the ropes, even a kid out of high school. He goes, but the way things are today, people are getting paid to stay home. They're getting paid more to stay home. Who's going to work when you got a, a check coming in the mail? He goes, I can't find anybody. I can't find any good people. And yet he's dying to disciple some young person. To show him the trade. And this man is very skilled. I tell you, if I wasn't, if God hadn't called me to this, I'd be tempted to, because to, I, I would love to learn that kind of stuff because I know very little. But he wants someone to disciple. To show the ins and outs. How do you cut board? How do you cut things? How do you cut saw? Where do you, where, which side of the saw blade, you know, when you have your line there, it's got to be on the right side. Make sure, you know, there's all these little ins and outs and tricks of the trade, things like that. And he's just looking for somebody, a disciple, an apprentice, someone who is learning a trade from a skilled employer, having agreed to work for a fixed period of time, or an intern is really the same thing. A student or trainee who works sometimes without pay in order to gain work experience or satisfy a requirement or an understudy, someone who is, learns another's role in order to be able to act as a replacement at short notice. Paul also called that kind of person a bondservant. In the Greek, a doulos, one of those people who go to the, the doorpost and they put an awl through his ear, and basically that was signifying, I'm going to be your servant forever. I like what I'm doing here. I want to continue doing what I'm doing here. I don't want to be released from, your, from what you do because I, I love you. You've been very good to me. And isn't Jesus like that? Paul, James, Peter, and Jude, they all start their letters like this. 
Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude says, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. This idea of a bondservant is one who gives himself up to another's will, whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. That's what a disciple is. That's what a bondservant is. And that's what Jesus was calling to himself. That's what Jesus wants for all of us. In Matthew chapter 10, it says that a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And let me ask you the question this morning. Are you a disciple? Are you willing to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ? There are plenty. Do you understand there's a difference between a believer and a disciple? All of us are believers if we've received Christ, but out of all the believers in the world who have given their heart to Christ, only a subset of those are true disciples. It's possible to be a believer, but not a disciple. But let me suggest to you that if you're just a believer and you're not a disciple, you're not going to grow. You're going to shrink back from challenges. You're not going to take purity and holiness seriously. You probably won't read your Bibles very much or sporadically. Probably won't pray much. You might go to church a few times a year. You're going to heaven. Thank God for that. But you don't have a great deal of assurance of your salvation either because you just kind of accepted Christ. You believed in him, and that's good. Don't get me wrong, but there's more. And I think you understand what I'm saying. Don't just be a believer. Be a disciple. If you really believe it, why haven't you given everything toward it? Why haven't you given all of your life? And believe me, you can still work a normal job and give your heart completely over to the Lord. You don't have to go into full-time ministry in the the sense like I'm in full-time ministry. You can be a a, a marvelous witness on lunchtime, after work. You can be talking to your other employees. There are ways. And our very life is a witness. What kind of witness is it? Which are you? Are you a disciple or are you just a believer? Do you got your ticket stamped for glory, for heaven, and that's really all there is to it? Or are you all in? And let me suggest to you that if you're not all in, you're going to be one miserable person for the rest of your life. Because to be just a believer is sort of like licking a lollipop or licking an ice cream but not really tasting it. You take a lick and you want to devour the whole thing. You want it to go inside of you. You want the whole thing, that big thing you get at uh, um, Pittsburgh Dairy, you know, the sugar cone with the, the large, and they give you about that much of it. I know from experience. I don't just lick it once and go, that's kind of nice, but no thanks. No. I stick the thing in my face and make a pig of myself. Right? What are you? Are you the kind of person who has just kind of tasted, but you really haven't taken in? You're going to be miserable, trust me, because you're going to have no joy. You're going to have no witness in your heart that you even belong to him. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.